Adam's Archive. Hello, you beautiful people, and welcome to the Adam's Archive. My name is Austin Adams, and thank you so much for listening today. On today's episode, we are going to be continuing our deep dive into what I have described as the single most disturbing, least discussed, top secret document that anybody has ever gotten their hands on. All right. Now, if you don't know what we're talking about, you should go back to the very first deep dive that we did last week. But the document itself is called Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. I will give you a brief synopsis to catch you up to speed regarding where we are at within this document. It is a 45-page document. And again, I highly recommend that you start with part one. So go back, listen to part one, then come back here and listen to part two because it is well worth your time. This document has been the what I would say the playbook by the oligarchs, by the elites, by the Black Rocks, by the Soroses, by the Rothschilds and the you know Rockefellers of the world. Absolute to a T playbook of how we got to where we are today, starting all the way back in the early 40s when this document was created and presented at the very first Bilderberg meeting to the policy committee. Okay, so we will take a deep dive into the second half of this document. If you have not heard the first half, go listen to that now, and then I'll meet you right back here in about an hour and 20 minutes or so, okay? But of all the podcasts that I've done so far, I would say this is by far the craziest thing. And again, I, I discussed why last time, right? The reason that this is so disturbing is not because of the individual. The reason this is so disturbing is because of how they've sociologically and uh, been engineering the, the mass public of the world for so long successfully. And we'll get into a little bit more about that in just a minute. But before we do that, I need you to subscribe if you're not already, which you should be. I need you to leave a five-star review, which I would appreciate greatly. It takes five seconds out of your day. It means a lot to me, honestly. I would really highly appreciate it if you took the moments that we have right here before the episode starts. There's going to be the intro in just a minute. So leave a five-star review. Tell me the craziest thing about this document. Tell me what, what you loved about this deep dive. Tell me your favorite color. I don't care. Leave a five-star review. I would appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. And then head over to the Substack, austinadams.substack.com, austinadams.substack.com. It is free to sign up. You will get the deep dives directly to your email. Last deep dive, I went into this in a ton of detail, a lot more detail than I anticipated, where I found hyperlinks. I found the uh, receipts for everything that they were discussing within this document. The guy who was the head of the Harvard Project in 1940s that was funded by the Rothschilds. I actually linked to the actual scientific findings itself. I, I, I went into a lot of detail in, into this substack. Uh, giving you all of the links that I could possibly find regarding this document, breaking it down, giving you my opinions on each part of it from the first half, and giving you additional resources so you could go dive deeper into this topic. So head over there. It's free, austinadams.substack.com. On top of that, you'll also get the full podcast, video podcast. As a reminder, you can follow me on YouTube, and you'll actually be able to follow everything in video here. All right, you'll be able to see what I'm talking about, the documents, the, the everything that will be right up here on my screen, okay? Uh, so head over to the Substack. The highlighted version of this that I went through on this uh, podcast is in there right now for you, annotated, all of the fun stuff. Go head over there right now. And without further ado, let's jump into Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars, Part 2.
the Adams Archive. All right, Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars, part two. Now I'll give you a brief, quick, two to three to maybe four minute synopsis of what this document is, just to catch you up to speed. Even if you listened last week, you might need a little refresher. So this document represents the adopted doctrine by the policy committee of the most powerful people, powerful families in the world today and 100 years ago when this was implemented. Okay, 1954 was the first meeting that this was presented at, at the Bilderberg Group. All right, so the following document dated May 1979 was found on July 7th of 1986 in an IBM copier that had been purchased at a surplus sale. Now, if you think the first deep dive that I did into this, if you think the first breakdown of Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars was disturbing, you're going to find the second half of this far more disturbing. It gets into the family unit. unit. It gets into the position of the mother and the father and how they're going to uh, break down the family unit from the inside. Okay, there's a ton of disturbing information in this document, but it, you need to know it. You need to understand what they've been doing to our families, what they've been doing to our economy, what they've been doing to, to our education system, all of it. And it's outlined perfectly in this document, okay? So let me catch you up to speed with where we were at already. The first half of Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars broke down where this document came from, which was a CIA uh, elite unit which was used to at least understand the, the conspiracy that was going on behind closed doors. So they picked an elite group of people based on their personality types, what seems to be narcissists and sociopaths, right? People who have a, you know, what they describe to be uh, less than, um, let's see if we can find the actual words from it. Uh, but the manual itself is an analog declaration of intent, such a writing must be secured from public scrutiny. Otherwise, it might be recognized as a technically formal declaration of domestic war. Okay, the solution of today's problems requires an approach which is ruthlessly candid with no agonizing over religious, moral, or cultural values. Okay, then it gets into what is social engineering, how they could control the world with the push of a button based on data analysis, the Harvard project that started it all. Uh, which began in 1949, funded by the Rockefeller family. And they began it at Harvard. And then it was implemented with along with the Air Force and moved over into the private sector in 1953, okay, because of its feasibility of economic and social engineering. Okay, now what we went into in the first part got a little technical, which was the fact that all people can be subjected and looked at and mathematically broken down the same way that energy can be. And that's how they began this theory of economics surrounding the theories around energy. So we went into that last time. Then we went into what is shock testing, right? How they were going to leverage data by having certain things that they implemented purposefully to see how it would break down the family unit to see how it would, you know, one correlation that they used was that when the price of gas went up, the it actually largely correlated with the amount of headaches. So there's a lot of different ways that they've been manipulating large data sets. Now, if you think that this was terrifying then, 
1954. I cannot imagine how terrifying this has become today with things like large language learning models like ChatGPT, right? With the use of AI in today's world. All right, so as we scroll through this again, it talked about basically how people needed to have a quiet war waged against them because you're so stupid, because you couldn't, you don't belong with the money that you were given. You, there's no reason that you should be allowed to exist in a world where you have freedoms without an oligarchy above you controlling and social engineering the general public, because without them, without our saviors, without those in positions of power, of wealth, we would just be monkeys with tools, right? We would, we would eventually kill ourselves off, according to them. So now where we pick up on this is where it says not only the prices of commodities, right? We're getting back into what was economic shock testing. And how do they use this? Not only the prices of commodities, but also the availability of labor can be used as a means of shock testing. Labor strikes deliver excellent test shocks to an economy, especially in the critical service areas of trucking, communication, public utilities, etc. Right now we go back to the strikes by the truckers that was being waged against people when they did the uh, in Canada, right, the trucker rallies. That began around Canada and then flowed into the United States briefly. But it says by shock testing, it has found that there is a direct relationship between the availability of money flowing into the economy and the real psychological outlook and responses of masses of people dependent upon that availability. For example, there is a measurable quantitative relationship between the price of gas and the probability that a person would experience a headache. Feel a need to watch a violent movie, smoke a cigarette, or go to a tavern for a mug of beer. Hmm. So they leveraged this shock testing, right, which is built off of the aviation model to see how much uh, explosive loads a, a airplane could take without ripping itself apart. And they used it against people. Now, they give all of the formulas here that they used. They're a little bit too technical here, but I'll go ahead and pull it up on the page for you. A little too technical for me to break down, but maybe you're a mathematician and, or economist and you understand this. Uh, but I will leave that to you. It says, when the price of gasoline is shocked, all of the coefficients with round G in the denominator are evaluated at the same time. If B, G, and M were independent and sufficient for description of the economy, then three shock tests would be necessary to evaluate the system. Uh, now, it so it's just talking about how they actually implemented these things. It says, this is the result into which we substitute to get that set of conditions of prices of commodities. Bad news on TV, which will deliver a collapse of public morale ripe for takeover. So they actually have a formula for how much bad news, how much terrible propaganda how many shootings, how many this, how many that they need to have over a time period in order to make the public morale ripe for takeover. Once the economic price and sales coefficients, A, J, and K, and B, K, and J, so these are where the formula is coming to control, may be translated into the technical supply and demand coefficients. Shock testing of a given commodity is then repeated to get the time rate of change. 
of these technical coefficients, right? So this gets a little technical again, but it starts to come back right now. Now I'm drinking a liquid death and I had somebody point out here, you know, liquid deaths were fairly uh, common and in, especially in like the podcasting world and then um, but, but I, I'm a big fan of sparkling water and I actually like the canned sparkling water, um, but I also liked the marketing of liquid death, but apparently they have some advertising on their website, which they're great at advertising and marketing, but they actually have some advertising and marketing on their website with a shirt that ex exclaimed, it, it said that basically they, as a brand had a witch come in and do a seance of some demonic type into the water so you could even be drinking a demon I, I don't know what that means but you know if i start saying uh latin throughout this episode you know why blame it on the liquid death and to combat that i am drinking red wine the water of the, our lord and savior Okay. Um, economic amplifiers, just kidding, uh, are the active components of economic engineering. The basic characteristic of an amplifier, mechanical, electrical, or economic, is that it receives an input control signal and delivers energy from an independent energy source to a specified output terminal in a predictable relationship to that out input control signal. Right. So this is the introduction to economic amplifiers. So economic amplifiers, again, are the active components of economic engineering, right? So what, how do we actually move society? That is the amplifiers. The basic characteristic of an amplifier, mechanical, electro, electrical, or economic, is that it receives an input control signal, right? An input and delivers energy from an independent energy source to a specified output terminal, in a predictable relationship to that input control signal, right? So we do this on one end. This is the input-output model that made the Harvard ec economist got his Nobel Peace Prize or whatever the prize. I'm pretty sure it was the Nobel Peace Prize that he got for this input-output model. The simplest form of an economic amplifier is a device called advertising, Right. If I do this thing on the outside of this equals this thing, right? That's the money machine. If I put $1 in on this end, $2 comes in on this end. I'm going to put all of my dollars back in on the other side. If a person is spoken to by a TV advertiser as if he were a 12-year-old, then due to suggestibility, he will, with a certain probability, respond or react to that suggestion with the uncritical response of a 12-year-old and will reach into his economic reservoir and deliver its energy to buy that product on impulse when he passes it in the store. An economic amplifier may have several inputs and output. Its response might be instantaneous or delayed. Its circuit symbol might be a rotary switch if its options are exclusive, qualitative, go or no go, or it might have its parametric input-output relationships specified by a matrix with internal energy sources represented. Okay, so whatever its form might be, its purpose is to govern the flow of energy from a source to an input sink in direct relationship to an input control signal. For this reason, it is called an active circuit element or component. Economic amplifiers fall into classes called strategies, and in comparison with economic amplifiers, the specific internal functions of an economic amplifier are called logistical instead of electrical. Right, we're getting technical again here. It says, here, here's where we come back, though. 
In the design of an economic amplifier, we must have some idea of at least five functions. And here they are. The, availabil the availability of input signals, the desired output control objectives, the strategic objective, the available economic power sources, and the logistical options. The process of defining and evaluating these factors and incorporating the economic amplifier into an economic system have been popularly called game theory. Okay, so game theory is how you define the inputs and outputs figuring out the economic amplifiers, and then utilizing those and leveraging those from a social engineering perspective. Now, the design of an economic amplifier begins with the specification of the power level of the output, right? So think of it when it comes to advertising as the amount of advertising dollars, right? It can range from personal to national. The second condition, and in their case, when they're talking about people, they're saying, are we going after a single individual as the power level? Or are we doing an entire nation at one time? The second condition is accuracy response. How accurately the input action is a function of the input commands. High gain combined with strong feedback helps to deliver the required precision. Most of the error in the input data signal, personal input, most of the error will be in the input data signal. Personal input data tends to be specified, while national input data tends to be Statistical, right? So we're talking about anecdotal versus statistical data. Now, here are the inputs, right? Questions to be answered. The what, the where, the why, the when, the how, and the who, right? Those are the first questions that you have to answer regarding your inputs. What are you going to do? Where are you going to do it? Why are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? And who are you going to do it to? Right? So what are we going to do? We're going to release a virus to the general public. Where are we going to do it? Well, we're going to start in Wuhan, China. Why are we going to do it? To implement totalitarian, authoritarian pharmaceutical injections into people's bodies for profit. When are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? And who are we going to do it to? General sources of information, telephone taps, analysis of garbage, surveillance, and behavior of children in school. Right. So this is how they used to actually get the data. Now it's all on a mass scale. Now it's social media, right? So the standard of living, right? And that tells you how much this has been amplified, how big this has gotten in the last 180 80 years since this was implemented. We went from analyzing people's garbage, surveillance, phone taps, and the behavior of children to knowing your every move, your every conversation, your every Google search, all analyzed in huge data sets. Now, the standard of living by was measured Food, shelter, clothing, transportation, the social contacts, telephone, itemized record of calls, family, marriage certificates and birth certificates, friends, associates, memberships and organizations, and political affiliations. Then they get into the personal paper trail, personal buying habits, use of checking accounts, credit card purchases, 
tagged credit card purchases, right? Talking about UPC codes or barcodes. People's assets, checking accounts, savings, real estate, business, automotive, safety deposits, stock market. Liabilities, right? Creditors, enemies, and loans. Government sources, such as welfare, Social Security, USDA, surplus food, grants, and subsidies. And then the principle of this ploy, the citizen will almost always make the collection of information easy if he can operate on the free sandwich principle of eat now, pay later, right? Eat now, pay later. Maybe I'll get the vaccine so that I can go to a concert and later I'll die of myocarditis. Maybe I'll take a PPC loan for $10,000. And that might, you know, make me feel better about my business getting completely shut down, which I used to profit every day from $10,000. But, you know, $10,000 is nice. But what they don't tell you is they're going to come ask for that from you with interest after they analyze your application and tell you that, oh, wait, you really didn't qualify. We want our money back. And think of how many applications this comes into, right? The free sandwich principle comes into the world coin, right? Just scan your iris for 500 bucks. And now we have your digital identity on the blockchain forever. It's never going away, but you got 500 bucks. But also now in order for you to pay your groceries, we scan your iris, we check your social credit score. And now you can't buy the meat that you wanted because eh, you said, Something about Joe Biden, right? Whatever it is. Government sources. Here's how they intimidate you. It literally says government sources via intimidation. IRS, OSHA, census, etc. And then other government sources are surveillance of U.S. mail. Okay, then it gets into habit patterns. So how do they figure out the programming? Strengths and weaknesses. Activities such as sports and hobbies. Legal, fear, anger, crime record, hospital records for drug sensitivities, reaction to pain, psychiatric records for fears, anger, angers, disgusts, adaptabilities, reaction to stimuli, violence, suggestibility, hypnosis, pain, pleasure, love, and sex, methods of coping. How do you deal with things, right? Consumption of alcohol, consumption of drugs, entertainment, religious factors, um, payment modus operandi. Do you pay on time? Payment of telephone bills, energy purchases, water, repayment of loans, house payments, automobile, credit cards, and then political sensitivity. Right? So they're just they're figuring out all of the data points, right? What are all of the inputs? Right? What are the things that they can measure? What is the what is the total? These are all listing out. Here's what's going in, right? Here's the activities. Here's the legal records. Here's the drug sensitivities. Here's how much alcohol we're consuming as a nation. Here's how many drugs we're consuming. Here's the percentage of people that are paying off their utility bills. Right? Here's, here's the political belief systems through census bureaus. Here's how many people aren't paying off their IRS, uh, paid you know their taxes. Here's the police records that are going up, the driving records, the reports made by police, insurance percentages. Anti-establishment acquaintances, right? So those are the inputs, such as legal inputs, behavioral control, 
right? Um, and then they list off what those behavioral controls are. Excuses for investigation, search, arrest, employment of for force to modify behavior. Court records, police records, driving records. Then the national input information. Prices of commodities, sales, investments, right? So before we were talking about personal, now we're talking about national. Banks and credit bureaus, credit information, payment information, polls and surveys, publications, telephone records. Okay, so those are all of the inputs. Okay, now here's the outputs. Here's the create controlled situations, manipulate the economy, society, control by control of compensation and income. All right, so it says allocates opportunities, right? So this is the sequence in which the outputs come. Allocate opportunities, destroy opportunities, right? They allocate the amount of jobs, then they destroy them. Controls the economic environment, controls the availability of raw materials, controls capital, controls bank rates, inflation of currency, possession of property, industrial capacity, manufacturing, availability of goods, the prices of commodities, services, the labor force, payments to government officials, legal functions, advertising, media contracts, material available for TV viewing, disengages attention from real issues, engages emotions, creates disorder, chaos, and insanity, controls design of more probing tax forms, controls surveillance, storage of information, Develops psychological analysis and profiles of individuals, controls legal functions, sociological factors, health options, preys on weaknesses, cripples strengths, and then leeches wealth and substances, right? So now it gives you a table of strategies, right? Here's your inputs. Here's your outputs. Okay, so if the elites do this, then they expect this. If they keep the public ignorant, they expect less public organization. If they maintain access to control points for feedback, the required reaction for inputs is prices and sales. If they create preoccupation, they lower the defense, right? If the family unit is so disintegrated to where the father goes to work nine to five, the mom goes to work nine to five, they drop their kid off at school nine to five, they come home, they eat dinner, they go to bed. Well, in the meantime, the job that they're at is controlled through corporations, which are controlled through these large entities like BlackRock and Vanguard, which is controlled by these families. In the meantime, your child goes to school. And while your child's going to school, all of the books that were they were funded by, all of the teachers who were hired, all have the same ideology, which is in line with these companies and corporations and organizations like BlackRock, Vanguard, and these families. Right? Now they've lowered your defense. Attack the family unit. If you do this, you control the education of the young. If you give less cash and more credit, more self-indulgence and more data. If you attack the privacy of the church, you destroy faith in this sort of government. If you give social conformity, computer, you get computer programs simplicity, computer programming simplicity. So social conformity meaning how can we get everybody to act in one way? Right? How can we get them to move as a flock? And if we get them to move as a flock, we can have more successful data analysis. Minimize the tax protest. If you do this, you maximize economic data and minimum enforcement problems. If you stabilize the consent, the simplicity coefficients, 
If you tighten control of variables, simpler computer input data, you get greater predictability. Right? If you proper timing, less data shift and blurring, if you maximize control, minimum resistance to control, if you collapse the currency, you destroy the faith of the American people in each other. Right? So if we do this, then this is what we get. And so if we want this, if we want this output, we do this input. If we want to destroy the faith in the American people, in each other, we collapse their currency. If we want minimum resistance to control, we maximize our control initially. Right? If we want to maximize economic data and minimum enforcement problems, we minimize the tax protest. If we want to control the education of the young, we attack the family unit, right? And how many things come out of that? How many times have they attacked the family unit? And, and specifically for the idea to control the education of the young. For what purpose? They're propagandizing. They're, they're hypnotizing. They're implanting ideas of the future adults through the education system. Right? If you want to lower the defense, you create preoccupation. If we want this thing, we do this thing first to get it. Right? So figure out your what output you're desiring and then reverse engineer the input. Now, the next part is where it gets interesting and a little bit less technical. All right? Diversion, the primary strategy. And it says Experience has prevent that the simplest method of securing a silent weapon and gaining control of the public is to keep the public undisciplined and ignorant to the basic system principles on the one hand, while keeping them confused, disorganized, and distracted with matters of no real importance on the other hand. Diversion is the main strategy of societal engineering, right? You want to talk about the black Lives Matter riots over one single individual while probably tens and twenties, dozens of those happen every quarter, every month, but they decide to hone in on it. They put all of the news media on this one event, right? George Floyd, because they're creating a divergent or diversion, right? Now, that's not to say that that wasn't uh, something that should be talked about or shouldn't be protested or whatever, but it is saying that there was a formulated intent by the news media to cause that to be something of discussion, right? If every single news company plays that clip over and over and over again, and it's all shocking enough, it's going to cause this output, right? If we desire the output, the output being a diversion so that we can then ramp up our control, well, what's the input? The input is a diversion. George Floyd. Now, this is achieved by, or, or even, let's take it even further. It, maybe the, the entire diversion was COVID, and pharmaceutical companies took advantage, but who really took advantage of COVID? Right? Who's talking about the new normal? Oh, that was pretty good. Klaus Schwab, right? The World Economic Forum. The new normal. Right? They want to 
re-engineer society. And they're not even hiding this from you anymore. The Great Reset is just silent weapons for quiet wars spoken out loud. They no longer care that it's silent or not. Right, the societal engineering—they—they've they, pulled back the curtain. Whatever that that Frank Zappa quote, right? Um, when when the when the illusion becomes too expensive or too difficult to maintain, they will pull back the curtain and reveal the cinder block wall behind the show. Right? It's like they know that we know. So now comes authoritarian action. Because they can no longer do this sleight of hand bullshit. They can no longer tell you that elections aren't uh, in some way, shape, or form uh, manipulatable, right? As shown by some of the cases that we saw. They can no longer have this position when there's been court cases to back it up. The general public is talking about it consistently. So they just pull back the curtain. They go, all right, guys, you got us. The great reset is happening today, right? We, we will no longer eat cows. We'll eat bugs. Well, not me. I love steak, but you'll eat the bugs. <laughs> so that's what they want. They want the diversion, right? They want you to be confused, disorganized, distracted with matters of no real importance, right? Gender ideology. I hate talking about gender ideology specifically because you're playing into the diversion of the elites. This is exactly what they want is us fighting each other about Leah Thomas while some 17-year-old cuts their boobs off and proclaims that they're a man, right? They've gotten us so good with this, right? And I, I have such a problem with perpetuating this conversation because it's simply a diversion, a diversion from something greater, a much, much bigger conversation. That's not to say that we shouldn't be having these conversations because they caused this internal war between political ideologies where we're, we're having a, a mass taking over of our youth, right? 22% of children now identify as LGBTQIA, LMNOP+, right? 22%, one in five. The generation before it was like 8%, right? Gen uh, millennials before that, it's like 2%. Before that, it's 0.8%, right? Like boomers is like 2%. Of people identify. And the vast majority of those are the L's, the G's, and the B's, not the T's or the Q's or the I's or the A's, right? But so many people are like, oh, I'm non-binary. So Gen Zers out there trying to feel special. So we have to make, we have to proclaim these things. We have to fight when they're shaking their dicks in front of us at, you know, in our children at pride parades. Like you have to have that discussion, but I hate having it so consistently. Every time, like I, I, it's, I feel like a broken record, but you have to have these discussions. But it's like the conservative side has gotten drawn into it just as much as the liberal side, right? They want you to be on those sides. They don't want people in the middle talking about silent weapons for quiet wars. They want you speaking about gender identity. They want you speaking about Joe Biden falling asleep during a presidential conversation. They want you speaking about all of the ridiculousness that is going on in this world today, but they don't want you talking about this. Societal engineering at a mass scale by the elites. So instead, they muddy the water with transgender, non-binary, high inflated gas prices, no toilet paper, uh, George Floyd's uh, riots in New York over a PS5. All of these things are diversions and, and, and tactics to divert your attention from this hand, which is really doing something with this one over here right over here 
So it says disengage. This is achieved by disengaging their minds, sabotaging their mental activities, providing a low quality program of public education in mathematics, logic, systems design, and economics, and discouraging technical creativity. Okay, so again, these diversions are done by disengaging their mind, sabotaging their mental activities, providing low quality program of public education in mathematics, logic, systems designs, and economics, and discouraging technical creativity. Engaging their emotions, increasing their self-indulgence and their indulgence in emotional and physical activities by unrelenting emotional affrontations and attacks, quote, mental and emotional rape by way of constant barrage of sex, violence, and wars in the media, especially the TV and the newspapers, giving them what they desire in excess, junk food for thought, and depriving them of what they really need. Right? So you want to talk about the sexualization of our generation. You want to talk about the OnlyFans culture, the Pornhub culture, right? How, how, how all of these social media companies have said that they are, you know, they are, they're bringing our society to a place where there's more connection. It's like, no, we're more disconnected than whenever. We have more depression than ever, right? All, all of these things have come together to make us be able to pull up our phone, find a, you know, a, a model who's willing to show themselves off for a few dollars and release the hormones that were meant to create connection, literally hijacking your, your center of energy. You're, you know, there's a reason that the, the, the Kundalini uh, yoga is, is what it is, is because there's the, your sexuality, your sexual energy, all of those things are, are combined to create your, your emotions, your hierarchy of, uh, of, of chemicals in your body. Like you have a specific set of chemicals that are sexual in nature for procreation, for connection with your spouse, for to, to, to make you want to stick around for your children, to make you like, so when you hijack as a societal engineering, you hijack that. You make you make porn so cheap, you don't even have to pay for it. Like, imagine that. How is it that there's so much unrelenting, un unbelievable amounts of porn out there, and you don't have to pay for any of it? Right? None of it. None of it has to come from your pocket. You have a unlimited access, a river of, of women and men and whatever types of situations you could ever imagine in your dreams that's so far from reality of what you would actually have access to or even really want if you were in a in a personal setting with somebody right it's like this unlimited river of of this biohacking of your sexual energy to the point where it devalues that connection it devalues your connection with your spouse it devalues those those uh, moments with the person that you love or, or the connection or the release that you get after months and months or years and years of of uh, of uh, sexual non-indulgence of celibacy, right? But when you can get one off every night from pulling up your iPhone, like what, what is the, what the, the, the same internal drive that would normally make you go find a connection and find love and settle down and, and have those feelings for someone is now redirected, hijacked. It's the junk food, right? It's like literally, instead of getting satiating amounts of nutrients, which have actual value, you're eating candy, 
right? Which feels good in your mouth for about five seconds. But the actual outcome is not, not what it's meant for, right? It's not meant to be 20 seconds of joy or, or elated feeling or, you know, release of oxytocin for the purpose of release of oxytocin. It's, it's meant for connection, right? So they achieved this by unrelenting emotional affrontations and attacks, mental emotional rape by way of constant barrage of sex, violence, and wars in the media, especially in the TV and in the newspapers, giving them what they desire in excess, junk food for thought, and depriving them of what they really need. Right? You want to talk about all of the Kim Kardashians, the the Jersey Shores, right? All of those while, while people used to read Hemingway and used to... Uh, color and color <laughs> used to color with crayons back in the day. They used to to paint and and learn to have real artistic technical abilities, right? It says these preclude their interest in and discovery of the silent weapons of social automation technology. The general rule is that there is a profit in confusion. The more confusion, the more profit. Therefore, the best approach is to create problems and then offer solutions. Here's your summary of diversion. Media keep the adult public attention diverted away from real social issues and captivated by matters of no real importance. Schools keep the young public ignorant of real mathematics, real economics, real law, and real history. Entertainment keep the public entertainment below a sixth grade level. That's what they think about you. And that's how they divert your attention, right? They give you the absolute minimum, minimum amount of entertainment to where you're, you're the same way that they said they could advertise at a 12-year-old 12, 12 level, right? They entertain you at a 12-year-old level too. So you have to seek these things, right? You have to seek external stimulation. That's why podcasts, like even hyper-technical podcasts, like some of the podcasts I listen to with, with Lex Friedman and the discussions that he has with people in AI or mathematicians or astrophysicists or like they're far above my level of intellect for me to jump in and spar with these people intellectually and on these certain topics. But there, there's something about them that is satiating, right? It's not the Kardashians. It's not the, the Jersey shores. It's, it's something that like your mind just craves that there's been none of. There was none in the public education system. There was none of it when you went to most universities, right? The pay to play on a real education is like so much more difficult to actually get above that level. And this is work. Keep the public busy, busy, busy with no time to think. Back on the farm with the other animals. Now we get into consent, the primary victory. A silent weapon system operates upon data obtained from a docile public by legal, but not always lawful, force. Much information is made available to silent weapon system programmers through the IRS. See studies in the structure of American economy for an IRS source list. The information consists of the enforced delivery of well-organized data contained in federal and state tax forms, collected, assembled, and submitted by slave labor, provided by taxpayers and employers. Furthermore, the number of such forms submitted by the IRS is a useful indicator of public consent, an important factor in strategic decision-making. Other data sources are given in the shortlist of inputs. Right now, that's a fair point. 
what I would like, let's let's talk about this for a second. We realized one thing with Target and Bud Light. There is power in your money. If you decide that you're no longer going to give your money to Bud Light, when you draw that line, right, and you say, I'm no longer going to accept this reality that you are enforcing upon me via your advertising, right? Everybody feels powerless when it comes to our government. Everybody feels like, oh, there's nothing we can do about these elections. Oh, there's nothing we can do about this man falling asleep against other, while talking with other presidents, Right. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do. Well, what can I do? I'm just a person, right? It's like, okay, yes. As an individual, if you boycott Bud Light, the repercussions to Bud Light are very low. And the likelihood that something's going to change is also very low. But in mass, if we boycott the monetary systems of our government in mass, then they will be forced to change. Right? We don't need massive riots in the streets. It literally just takes you not actively filing these forms and giving them a large portion of your money. Like most people don't know. When you sign up for your taxes through your W-2, that you can put exemptions, self-exemptions, and then you just pay at the end of the year. Right? You don't have to have them take it out of every single paycheck. Right? It's like if it gets to that point, which again, I hope it doesn't, and I hope our government just completely, but we keep sending billions upon billions upon billions of dollars over to Ukraine for no reason. Right? So we saw the effects of this with Bud Light. At one point or another, we may see the effects of this type of boycotting on a federal national level through taxes. None of our founding fathers had the belief that we should be paying 40% of your money to the government for them to send it away to their friends for quid pro quo relationships and to Ukraine for a war that we're not even a part of. None of them. Right? And now they even outline it here. A silent, sepin, a silent weapon system operates upon data obtained from docile public by legal, not always lawful force. Much information is made available to silent weapon systems programmers through the IRS. On top of that, the number of forms submitted is an indicator of compliance, is a public temperature gauge. Are we still okay by sending $50 billion to Ukraine, having a complete criminal in, in a position of the presidency, and also having our FBI be weaponized against everybody that's potentially its enemies? Well, they're still paying us. So as long as they keep paying us, we might as well keep doing it, right? It's like, so they actually utilized and leveraged this as a consent coefficient. That's what they call it here. Um, other data sources are given in the short list of inputs. Consent coefficients, numerical feedback indicating victory status, psychological basis, when the government is able to collect tax and seize private property without just compensation, it is an indication that the public is ripe for surrender and is consenting to enslavement and legal encroachment, this says. A good and easy quantified indicator of harvest time is the number of public citizens who pay income tax despite an obvious lack of reciprocal or honest service from the government. I will repeat that for you. The consent coefficient, a good and easily quantified indicator of harvest time, 
is the number of public citizens who pay income tax despite an obvious lack of reciprocal or honest service from the government. And that is exactly what we have right now. We have no real, if, if somebody from the government came to you and like was a salesperson and decided, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to charge you an annual fee. Okay, that's fine. Well, tell me what your service is. Well, I'm going to erode the, the sanctity of marriage. I'm going to disintegrate the public education for your children. I'm going to inflate the value of your money. I'm going to purposefully release viruses so that my friends over there in the pharmaceutical industry can profit off of your death. I'm going to elect incompetent individuals to represent you on a world stage. I'm going to send your sons and your daughters to war to die. At the drop of a hat, for whatever reason I see as profitable. And all I need in exchange for all of those amazing things is 40 to 60% of your income. Would you sign up for that? Would you pay that annual fee? I don't think very many people would. I don't, I just don't see it. I don't, I, I cannot see the value right now of this. Right now, I'm not saying go, don't go pay your taxes because Lord knows, right? That's the last thing we need in our lives. Getting audited and all of that that comes with that. But what I would say is if enough people did that enough times, Together, in unison, with a set plan and actionable goal of asks from the government, that is true power, right? Not just not paying it for not paying it, but if there was a set group of people, a large group percentage of the people who decided we are not going to continue funding this government organization until these things are done. Maybe we even put it in escrow. Right, well, we have this money in an escrow account for you, IRS. We have it set aside. But guess what? You're not getting 50% of your tax revenue until we get somebody impeached who's a criminal at the current head of our country. Maybe get some competent people to actually be in the presidential race. Maybe stop sending money and weapons of mass destruction from our income to kill Russians and Ukrainians in a war that means nothing to us. Maybe stop poisoning our children through food systems and poisoning their intellect through educational systems. Maybe don't take any funding from BlackRock. Maybe don't take any funding from Vanguard, right? Maybe, maybe we disintegrate those, those large wealth management organizations through monopoly laws, right? Maybe we do that until we can trace back where this funding's coming from. Maybe you're not allowed to invest while you're in a position of power. What are our asks? What, what, is the, what is the list of things that we ask for? Set aside the portion of money into an escrow account. Tell them it's right here for you. As soon as you do this, 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 and this. How quickly do you think a 50% of the country jumped on board with that? Do you think that they would change their ways? Hmm. Interesting question. Especially when they're literally using it as an qualified indicator of harvest time, according to this document. 
Now, here's the amplified energy sources. Okay, it says, the next step in the process of designing an economic amplifier is discovering the energy sources. The energy sources which support any primitive economic system are, of course, a supply of raw materials and the consent of the people to labor and consequently assume a certain rank, position, level, or class in the social structure to provide labor at various levels in the pecking order. Okay, so... The next step in the process is designing an economic amplifier and discovering the energy sources. They do that by getting your consent to work and accept your claim in life, right? Accepting your certain rank, position, level, or class. Each class, in guaranteeing its own level of income, controls the class immediately below it, hence preserves the class structure. This provides stability and security, but also government from the top. As time goes on and communication and education improve, the lower class elements of social labor structure become knowledgeable and envious of the good things that the upper class members have. They also begin to attain knowledge of energy systems and the ability to enforce their rise through the class structure. This threatens the sovereignty of the elite, it says. If this rise of the lower class can be postponed long enough, the elite can achieve energy dominance, and labor, by consent, no longer will hold a position of an essential energy source, right? And that makes sense, especially when we're getting into automation, right? If, if they can hold off the lower class long enough, the labor class, the class of, of lower class individuals making minimum wage, they can eventually bring in automation systems of robots, to eliminate the need altogether for that class of people, right? If they can postpone that long enough, the elite can achieve energy dominance and labor by consent no longer will hold a position of an essential energy source. Until such energy dominance is absolutely established, the consent of people to labor and let others handle their affairs must be taken into consideration. And maybe that's why we're seeing this amplification right now of authoritarianism, right? They don't need you anymore. They don't need to take you into consideration since failure to do so could cause the people to interfere in the tr final transfer of energy sources to the control of the elite, it says. It is essential to recognize that at this time, public consent is still an essential key to the release of energy in the process of economic amplification. Therefore, consent as an energy release mechanism will now be considered for now until they don't need you because they have robots five to 10 years from now. And now they don't need your consent. The walls come down. The barbed wire goes up. They don't need you. That's terrifying because that's where we're going very, very quickly. This perfectly outlines how quickly they are going to completely obliterate the lower class citizens, the labor workers from society. They put them on a universal basic income of $2,000 a month. Maybe they pay for a food bank down the road where everything becomes socialized. They don't need your consent because they don't need you to build the things that they need to have things built. Now it says logistics. The successful application of a strategy requires a careful study of inputs. Outputs. The strategy connecting the inputs and the outputs and the available energy sources to fuel the strategy. 
This is called logistics. A logistical problem is studied at the elementary level first, and then levels of greater complexity are studied as a synthesis of elementary factors. This means that given a system that a given system is analyzed, broken down into the subsystems, and these in turn are analyzed until by this process one arrives at the logistical atom, the individual. This is where the process of synthesis properly begins at the time of birth of the individual. Now, this to me is where this gets the most scary. Okay, these next few pages are absolutely terrifying. Okay, the rest of this gets crazier and crazier and crazier. Okay, so it took us a minute, a little bit of technicality to get to this point. But this gets dark. Very, very dark. Okay, so here we go. The artificial womb. From time, from the time a person leaves its mother's womb, its every effort is directed towards building, maintaining, and withdrawing into artificial wombs. Various sorts of substitute protective devices or shells. The objective of these artificial wombs is to provide a stable environment for both stable and unstable activity, to provide a shelter for the evolutionary processes of growth and maturity, survival, to provide security of freedom, and to provide defensive protection for offensive activity. This is equally true of both the general public and the elite. However, there is a definite difference in the way each of the classes goes about the solution of problems. The political structure of a nation. Dependency. The primary reason why the individual citizens of a country create a political structure is a subconscious wish or desire to perpetuate their own dependency relationship of childhood. Simply put, they want a human god to eliminate all risk from their life, pat them on the head, kiss their bruises, put a chicken on every dinner table, clothe their bodies, tuck them into bed at night, and tell them that everything will be all right when you wake up in the morning. This public demand is incredible. So the human God, the politician, you hear that? So the human God, the politician, meets incredibility with incredibility by promising the world and delivering nothing. So who is the bigger liar? The public or the godfather. This public behavior is surrendered, born of fear, laziness, and expediency. It is the basis of the welfare state as a strategic weapon, useful against a disgusting public, it says. So let's break that down. They're saying that you come from a mommy and a daddy, and you want government to be your mommy and your daddy, to house you, to give you food, to make you feel stable, to protect you from the burglars and the robbers so that you don't have to deal with any of that. It's an easy button, right? They want you to eliminate all risk from life. And they say the human God is the politician. In this very government document, how terrifying is that? That's how they look at themselves. Meets incredibility with incredibility by promising the world and delivering nothing. How many times have we seen the president? Every single presidential race ever. Every debate, every, every what is it, hundred, first 180 days, I'm going to do these things. Almost every time they do none of it. 
right? That includes Trump, that includes Clinton, that includes the Bushes, that includes Joe Biden, that includes every single president in history promises the world and delivers on nothing because what you want is so ridiculous, they say. It's not feasible for a politician, for a government to make you feel safe, to feed everybody, to house everybody, to make there be no uh, war in the world, to tuck you in at bed at night and tell you that everything's going to be all right. Right? It's not doable. So it says, most people want to be able to subdue and or kill other human beings which disturb their daily lives, but they do not want to have to cope with the moral and religious issues which such an overt act on their part might raise. Therefore, they assign the dirty work to others, including their own children, so as to keep the blood off their hands. They rave about the humane treatment of animals and then sit down to a delicious burger from a whitewashed slaughterhouse down the street and out of sight. But even more hypocritical, they pay taxes to finance a professional association of hitmen collectively called politicians and then complain about corruption in government. Wow. Now it says responsibility. Again, most people want to be free to do the things, to explore, but they are afraid to fail. The fear of failure is manifested in the irresponsibility and especially in delegating those personal responsibilities to others where success is uncertain or carries possible or created liabilities, which the person is not prepared to accept. They want authority, root word, author. They want authority, authority, but they will not accept responsibility or liability. So they hire politicians to face reality for them, right? They want authority, but they will not accept responsibility or liability. So they hire politicians to face reality for them, right? So they're framing the idea of politics. They're framing the idea of the politician. They're calling the politician the godfather, the man who's supposed to tuck you in a bed, tuck you in a bed to give you food, to be the end-all be-all of your social responsibility, and they say that you hire politicians to face this reality for you. Right? So here's the summary. The people hire politicians so that the people can obtain security without managing it, obtain action without thinking about it, inflict theft, injury, and death upon others without having to contemplate either life or death, avoid responsibility for their intentions, obtain the benefits of reality and science without exerting themselves in the discipline of facing or learning either. They give politicians the power to create and manage a war machine by providing for the survival of the nation or the womb, prevent encroachment of anything upon the nation or the womb, destroy the enemy who threatens the nation slash womb, and destroy those citizens of their own country who, did, who do not conform for the, stake of, or for the sake of stability of the nation or the womb. Politicians, it says, hold quasi-military jobs, the lowest being the police, which are soldiers, the attorneys and CPAs next, who are spies and saboteurs, the judges who shout orders and run the closed union military shop for whatever the market will bear. The generals are industrialists. The presidential level of commander-in-chiefs is shared by the international bankers. So they outline the hierarchy perfectly. 
right? The presidential level commander in chief is shared by international bankers, not by politicians. The generals are the industrialists. The judges are the ones who shout orders. The CPAs are the spies. And the cops are the soldiers. The people know now that they have created this farce and financed it with their own taxes, which is their consent. But they would rather knuckle under than be a hypocrite. Thus, a nation becomes divided into two very distinct parts. A docile subnation, the great silent majority, and the political subnation. The political subnation remains unattached or remains attached to the docile subnation, tolerates it, and leeches its substance until it grows strong enough to detach itself and then devour its parent. Interesting. So I'm going to read that again because I don't quite understand that. A nation becomes divided into two very distinct parts, right? A conforming subnation, right? The, the vast majority of people, right? Probably 95% of people who is the silent majority and a political subnation. The political subnation, right? The 5% maybe remains attached to the docile silent majority. They tolerate it and then they leech its substance until it grows strong enough to detach itself and then devour its parent. Hmm. The people know that they have created this farce and financed it with their own taxes or consent, but they would rather knuckle under than be the hypocrite. Hmm. In order to make meaningful computerized economic decisions about war, the primary economic flywheel right? War is the primary economic flywheel. It is necessary to assign concrete logistical values to each element of the war structure, personnel, and material alike. Now we're going to get into war and how the elites leverage war for profit and how they do it through drafts, through the dissection of the, the family, right? It's specifically within roles about the mother and the father. So here it goes. It says the draft. Right? So let's, let's start off at the beginning. In order to make meaningful computerized economic decisions about war, the primary economic flywheel, it is necessary to assign concrete logistical values to each element of the war structure, personnel and material alike. This process begins with a clear, candid description of the subsystems of such a structure. The draft. Few efforts of human behavior modification are more remarkable or more effective than that of the socio-military institution known as the draft. A primary purpose of a draft or other such institution is to instill by intimidation in the young males of a society the uncritical conviction that the government is omnipotent. He is soon enough taught that a prayer is slow to reverse what a bullet can do in an instant. Thus, a man is trained in a religious environment for 18 years of his life. A man trained in a religious environment for 18 years of his life can, 
by this instrument of the government be broken down, purged of his fantasies and delusions in a matter of mere months. Once that conviction is instilled, all else becomes easy to instill. Hmm. So, the conviction of faith, the conviction of faith in a religious setting specifically can be encroached upon through war, right? By watching a bullet kill your friend right next to you, right? It's very hard to believe in God when you have these atrocious acts happening all around you, which seemingly are the acts of the devil, not of the Lord, right? Even more interesting is this process, right? So, so what it's saying, the, the protector of this, the, the veil that, that can be put over, that can protect you from this type of thing, that is being encroached upon through war by man, right? Giving you the idea that the government is omnipotent, not God, right? He has soon taught that a prayer is slow to reverse what a bullet can do in an instant. Thus, a man trained in a religious environment for 18 years of his life can, by this instrument of the government, be broken down purged of his fantasies and delusions in a matter of months. Once that conviction is instilled in him, everything else becomes easy to instill. Even more interesting is the process by which a young man's parents who purportedly love him can be induced to send him off to war to his death. Although the scope of this work will now not only... Although the scope of this work will not only allow this matter to be expanded in full detail. Nevertheless, a course overview will be possible and can serve to reveal those factors, which must be included in some numerical form in a computer analysis of social and war systems. So it's saying that you have to, through, even the parents can be broken down into data sets. They say they love their child, but they're going to send him to go what? Get into a firefight? Go, go work for the national drug cartel? right? To, to, to fight for something that we don't even understand or believe in. It says we begin with a tentative de definition of the draft. The draft, selective service, is an institution of compulsory collective sacrifice and slavery devised by the middle-aged and elderly for the purpose of pressing the young into doing the public dirty work. It further serves to make the youth as guilty as the elders, thus making criticisms of the elders by the youth less likely. Generational stabilizers, it is marketed and sold to the public under the label of patriotic national service. So, the old rich guys send the young poor guys to war. That way, the young poor guys become complicit in the actions of these old white dudes, these old bankers, these old men who are making decisions for profitability. They find the very people who could take them down through action give them a monthly stipend, and make them complicit in their acts of war. That way, now you can't say anything to me, young man, because you are the one who pulled the trigger. I just paid you to do it. Once a candid economic definition of the draft is achieved, that definition is used to outline the boundaries of a structure called a human value system, which is in turn translated into the terms of game theory. The value of such a slave laborer is given in a table of human values, a table broken down into categories of intellect, experience, post-service job demand, post-service job demand, etc. Some of these categories are ordinary and can be tentatively evaluated in terms of the value of certain jobs for which a known fee exists. Some jobs are harder to value because of their they are unique to the demands of social subversion. 
For an extreme example, the value of a mother's instruction to her daughter, causing that daughter to put certain behavioral demands upon a future husband 10 or 15 years. Hence, thus, by suppressing his resistance to a perversion of a government, making it easier for a banking cartel to buy the state of New York in, say, 20 years. Hmm. Some jobs are harder to value. Let's reread that. Some jobs are harder to value because they have unique demands of social subversion. For an extreme example, the value of a mother's instruction to her daughter. Right? So it's putting a value on teaching that mother that she should be telling her daughter this, this idea. Then causing the daughter to put these demands on the husband 10 to 15 years down the road. Then suppressing his resistance to the government making it easier for a banking cartel to buy the state of New York in 20 years. So when it started at the mother, it trickled down to the daughter, and she enforced those beliefs on her husband, which made it easier for them to do what they wanted to do 20 years down the road. Right? Makes sense. Such a problem leans heavily upon the observations and data of wartime espionage and many times of psychological testing. But crude mathematic models, algorithms, can be devised. If not to predict, at least to predeterminate these events and with maximum certainty. What does not exist by natural cooperation is thus enhanced by calculated compulsion. Human beings are machines, levers, which may be grasped and turned, and there is little real difference between automating a society and automating a shoe factory. Let's say that again, because this is a powerful line in how they think about you. Here's what the elites believe about you. Human beings are machines, levers, which may be grasped and turned, and there is little real difference between automating a society and automating a shoe factory. These derived values are variable. These values are given in true measure rather than U.S. dollars, since the latter is unstable, being presently inflated beyond the production of natural goods, and services so as to give the economy a false kinetic energy. The silver value is stable, it being possible to buy the same amount with a gram of silver today as could be bought in 1920. Human value measured in silver units changes slightly due to changes in production technology. So instead of using our dollar, they use what we should be using, which is silver right, or gold. Enforcement, factor one. As in every social system approach, Stability is achieved only by understanding and accounting for human nature. A failure to do so can be, and usually is, disastrous. As in other uh, human social schemes, one form or another of intimidation or incentive is essential to the success of the draft. Physical principles of action and reaction must be applied to both internal and external subsystems. To secure the draft, individual brainwashing, programming, and both the family unit and the peer group must be engaged and brought under control. So this is factor one, right? So this is how, how do we enforce the draft upon people, right? How do we make it so people are willingly going to go to war to fight for us, whether they want to or not? So factor one, stability is achieved by understanding and accounting for human nature. Brainwashing, programming of both the family unit and the peer group right? The massive subconscious and the internal family. Factor two is the father. The man of the household must be housebroken to ensure that junior will grow up with the right social training and attitude. 
the advertising materials are engaged to see it to it that the father to be pussy whipped before or by the time he is married. He is taught that he either conforms to the social notch cut out for him or his sex life will be hobbled and his tender companionship will be zero. He is made to see that women demand security more than logical, principled, or honorable behavior. By the time his son must go to war, father, with jelly for a backbone, it says, will slam a gun in the junior's hand before father will risk the censure of his peers or make a hypocrite of himself by crossing the investment he has in his own personal opinion or self-esteem. Junior will go to war or father will be embarrassed. So Junior will go to war, the true purpose notwithstanding. So through embarrassing the father, making it so that he feels like if I don't have this set of patriotic belief systems, if I don't have conformity, if I don't have stability, if I don't abide by the rules of the government, then a woman's not going to love me. Right? I'm going to be sees to it that the father is pussy whipped before or by the time he is married. Find this notch cut out for you or your sex life will be hoveled and your companionship zero. Don't risk. Don't risk the name that you've made for yourself, your self-esteem, your personal opinion by telling the world that your son's a pussy for not going to war. Factor three, the mother. The female element of human society is ruled by emotion first and logic second. In the battle between logic and imagination, imagination always wins. Fantasy prevails. Maternal instincts dominates so that the male child or so that the child comes first and the future comes second. A woman with a newborn baby is too starry-eyed to see a wealthy man's cannon father or a cheap source of slave labor. A woman must, however, be conditioned to accept the transition to reality when it comes or sooner. As the transition becomes more difficult to manage, the family unit must be carefully disintegrated and state-controlled public education and state-operated child care centers must become more common and legally enforced so as to begin the detachment of the child from the mother and father at an early rage. Inoculation of behavioral drugs Ritalin, it says, can speed the transition for the child. Mandatory. Caution. A woman's impulsive anger can override her fear. An irate woman's power must never be underestimated. And her power over a pussy-whipped husband must be likewise never underestimated. It got women to vote in 1920, it said. So within this document, right, and I want to look at when did Ritalin become, you know, a thing here. When was Ritalin popularized? Right, because it's saying that the child must learn to conform, and if they don't conform, we're going to give them Ritalin. I think it was like 1937 when they started using amphetamines in schools. The early 1900s. Yep, right Around this time, inoculation of behavioral drugs like Ritalin can speed the transition for the child. 
We can make them conform. We can make them pay attention. We can make them sit down and shut up and listen to us to conform to the government's idea of what it means to be a child without imagination, without energy, without independence, just a docile, drooling child in front of them to listen to the words that they have been told to say so that they can pay attention to the propaganda that they're pushing. Enforcement legally as to begin the detachment of the child from the mother and father at an earlier age. Weaponizing drugs against your children so that they conform to what is unnormal. It is not normal for you to send your child to school for 12 hours a day, 10 hours a day, 8 hours a day. It is not normal for you to go sit at the desk away from your child for 8 hours a day. In order to make that normal, you know what they do? They drug you. And then you wonder why you're depressed. Well, maybe you're depressed because you're away from your child. Maybe you're depressed because, you know, all of those hormones in your body are telling you that you should be next to that child and protecting it from the world, yet you sent it to daycare at three months, four months old, and you went to go back to your job because your paternity or your maternity leave went up. Factor four, junior. The emotional pressure for self-preservation during the time of war and the self-serving attitude of the common herd that have an option to avoid the battlefield, if Junior can be persuaded to go, is all of the pressure finally necessary to propel Johnny off to war. Their quiet blackmailings of him are the threats. No sacrifice equals no friends, no glory, no girlfriends. Hmm. So they leverage the testosterone-fueled idea of what it means to be a man against your child to make them go die for them, for something that you don't even understand. Here it goes again. Factor five, sister. And what about Junior's sister? She is given all the good things of life by her father and taught to expect the same from her future husband regardless of the price. Number six, cattle. Those who will not use their brains are no better off than those who have no brains. And so this mindless school of jellyfish, father, mother, son, and daughter become useful beasts of burden or trainers of the same. This concludes what is available of this document. And then it references the 1953 study by Wassily Leontief, the director of the Harvard Economic Research Project, as a reference to some of the outlines. So there you have it. That is how and why they disintegrate the family from the very essence of what it means to be a family. They drug your children so that you, they are compliant in a setting that is not normal. And then when you get sad about going to work every day, or you get sad about never being outside with the, the fucking grass in your feet or dealing with the, the real outside world because there's four walls of cinder blocks around you. They feed you depressive medication so that they can not only profit from you as a slave, they can profit from you as a patient. Meanwhile, all you had to do was go outside, put in a little bit of work, breathe some fresh air, connect truly with your family. But they've gotten their tentacles, their gross, ugh, their gross slimy little tentacles into every part of your life. As we saw outlined perfectly in this document, they did it with your child's education. 
They did it with your nutrition. They did it with your medical and pharmaceutical drugs. They did it with, with wars, right? They did it with having to send you to work every day, to work nine to five, right? All of these things come together to disintegrate the family, to make you a set of numbers on a data table so that they can manipulate society at will, so they can profit ungodly amounts of money from your slave labor at your consent, and you pay them for it through taxes. It's unbelievable how well this is outlined here. So I want to hear your guys' thoughts. All right, head over to the Substack, sign up. I'll be writing out some more of my thoughts laid out here within the Substack, within each portions of this document. Um, I'll include the full document again on the second Substack. Uh, head over there right now, austinadams.substack.com. I will be elaborating on this. Maybe we'll get a little bit more into it, but I am just simply blown away by what this document outlines. We will be continuing this conversation by taking a deep dive into the General Education Board in just a couple episodes. So stick around, subscribe, leave a five-star review. I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart and from the essence of this document. It is time that you wake up. It is time that you take control of your nutrition, of your diet, of your exercise, of your time that you spend outside, of the time that you spend with your kids, of the value that you give to your government and your patriotism to the individuals who are enslaving you. It is time that all of us realize what is going on because this has been happening for only 80 years of humanity. We have been a species for hundreds of thousands Thousands of years, depending on what you believe in when it comes to science, because obviously if we've seen from this document, if anything else, they tried to disintegrate religion. They've tried to disintegrate true education and asking of questions. So who the fuck really knows what's going on? But what I do know is there's connection between people and we will automatically be pushed into the right true north just by ridding ourselves and ridding ourselves of the tentacles, those gross little slimy things that they've put into each part of our lives. So take back control in as many places as you can. Wake up to the propaganda, the inputs that they're putting to societally, societally engineer you and your family and us as a whole. Because it starts at what they called the atom. And that is you, right? Which branches off into the family, which branches off into your community, which branches off into your state, which branches off into the nation, which branches off into the world, right? These international bankers do not have a nation that they care for, right? This is the Black Rocks. This is the Vanguards. This is the Rothschilds, the Soros, the Rockefellers, right? All of those names that you've heard of before. This is how they did it. Perfectly outlined in the document. So I highly recommend you get familiar with it. Go download it at the Substack, austinadams.substack.com. And until next time, I love you and have a great night. Thank you. Adams Archive.